We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is currently right now as we record Saturday. It is 4.25 p.m. I am in the middle of watching the New England Patriots and the New York Giants take on each other in London, England. The Giants lead 17. Oh, this is baseball. So the Yankees are actually beating the Red Sox 17-13. to And yes, you heard this right. Uh, that game started with a six-run first inning for each of the two teams. And as you can see, the scoring has not slowed down since. That's not why we're here. I'm your host today. I am Jacob Westendorf enjoying a beautiful Saturday. It is 90 degrees, which is kind of the norm uh, where Jason's out at. But 90 degrees today. And a, just a beautiful day in the summer here right before the 4th of July. Joined with me a recent birthday boy, Jason Perone. How are you doing today? I'm feeling a year older, and it's going to be about 110 out here today. So we're just a, just a smidge warmer than that. But uh, welcome to summer. I know those of you in the Midwest and on the East Coast have long-awaited summer. And I'm very glad that it's here. Although, yeah, Jake, uh, in looking at that baseball score for a second, I thought maybe my calendar was off. So it'll be interesting to see how that one ends. But it's getting me back into the mindset of football.
football scores in football, and we're about a month away from training camp starting, so it's all good things for sure. Yeah, less than a month as of today. Well, not as of today, but yeah, right now we're less than a month away from training camp starting. Uh, and the Packers, they'll begin training camp on July 25th. Uh, so talking football is certainly a, a positive thing. The uh, you know the basketball season is over, even though some people are worried about you know NBA free agency and stuff like that. There's no actual games being played, so it really is just baseball. Um, unless you're into the, the Women's World Cup that is going on, then you've got some soccer that you can certainly watch as well. Um, but, yeah, otherwise we're just kind of waiting for football season to start. And with that in mind, we've kind of been going through here for you on Pack-A-Day the top 10 units that the Packers are going to face this season. Um, and, Jason, what we have is – since we have a – it's our, our group was a little bit more difficult just because offensive line is a unit, whereas wide receivers are individuals. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the 10 best teams that they play – uh, that we feel for the offensive line. We have a point system that we kind of helped use to narrow those down, and at the end, we'll decide who the best one is of those 10 teams uh, that we mentioned earlier. So the first team on this list that we have is the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles had a, a productive offseason as far as their offensive line goes. Uh, they added Andre Dillard, which was one of Andy's favorites here early in the NFL draft. They still have Jason Peters. They still have Lane Johnson. Jason Kelsey is still around. They have a very good unit in front of Carson Wentz. And Jason, that's going to be a big thing when the Packers and Eagles face off because Carson Wentz has been so banged up in the last two seasons. They need to keep him upright. So, I mean, when you look at the Eagles right away, um, you know, what sticks out to you about their offensive line? Well, like it's what you mentioned, they've got some really good veterans that are part of that line. You know, an interesting story about um, Stefan Wisniewski, um, he thought he was out of town and done with the Eagles and was posting on Instagram, and, and he was uh, he was waived, but he was signed a day later. This was back in March, and uh, it was just kind of an interesting story because he was telling everybody, okay, bye, Eagles Nation, it's been a blast, and he was kind of bummed about that and then one day later he's re-signed it was kind of like what the Packers did with A.J. Hawk where they cut him and they re-signed him to a more team-friendly deal but yeah Jason Kelsey at center Jason Peters they've got a lot of really good uh, veterans on on their squad now last year and yeah I mean it was tough to rank these but last year the Eagles were, were very average both in run and pass blocking so but nothing really stood out there. It's You never know what's going to happen from year to year. Um, it's kind of like this year with the Packers getting Brian Balaga back. Is he going to be great? Is he going to play well? Is he going to stay healthy or not? A lot of question marks. So the adding of Dillard is only going to fortify that line. Uh, Dillard was one that was um, connected a little bit to the Packers. There were some that had him mocked in round one. So I can't say that they didn't boost themselves. And so they're, they're ending up at number 10 on this particular ranking. And, Jake, I don't know if you want to break down the, the, um, the reasoning behind the rankings. Um, I have a feeling that by the end of the season, the Eagles definitely are not going to be the true 10th um, best offensive line that the Packers will see this season. No, and that's why there's kind of some room for uh, discussion here. And something strange about the Eagles to where I would probably rank them a little bit higher uh, were we able to do that is because they have between Joseph Atai, 
Andre Dillard, Lane Johnson, Jason Peters. They have four legitimate starting tackles on their roster. Um, most teams don't have two. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the you know the last couple of years, the Packers, when Brian Belaga goes down, it's not like they have another guy just in tow waiting. Uh, they've struggled through some of the issues with Jason Spriggs, Don Barclay, all the way back to Derek Sherrod, and just so many others. Uh, and it it just hasn't worked out well. So that's an interesting thing to go through with the Eagles. The next team on the list is actually one of their NFC East rivals, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and the Cowboys, a couple of years ago, looked like they were recreating the Great Wall of Dallas, but they've had some health issues. Travis Frederick was banged up last year. Zach Martin was banged up last year. Uh, left tackle Tyron Smith had some injuries. They have some issues as far as health, but honestly, as long as as long as they're healthy, this is a very good unit. And with Zeke Elliott running behind them, I know some people have speculated that Zeke is just a product of that offensive line, and that's nonsense. He's a special running back. Dak Prescott makes things a little easier on them by being able to move. That can be a blessing and a curse. Uh, so in kind of your point rankings that you were talking about earlier, the Cowboys ranked lowly, very lowly, in terms of pass blocking. But they were top of the league in terms of running the ball and run blocking, which shouldn't come as a surprise. They just kind of lean on you as the game progresses. And the Packers are, I mean, that's something where the Cowboys are a big physical offensive line. And they really, I mean, they've they've dropped off a little bit since uh, 2015, Zeke Elliott's rookie season, replacing a few guys. Lyle Collins hasn't worked out like they thought. Connor Williams hasn't worked out quite like they thought. But they have a lot of good players. And, Jason, this is a formidable group that the Packers are going to face off against here uh, in, I believe, the game's in early October. Yeah, it, it will be. If they're healthy, the Dallas Cowboys have had a good offensive line for a long time, and I don't think that's going to change a ton. You know, another thing that leads to some of these grades in terms of run blocking and pass blocking is how long does it take your quarterback to release the ball? So last year, Dak Prescott took an average of 2.82 seconds to throw. That's high. When you look at NFL averages and you go around the league, Aaron Rodgers came in at 2.95 seconds. We all know he held onto the ball a lot. Uh, but, you know, as I look through some of these rankings and I look at the time to throw, there's no surprise that some of the teams that fared – best in pass blocking in terms of their offensive line grade, also had a quarterback that had a tendency to get the ball out quicker. So, you know, Dak Prescott's going to have something to say, and all these quarterbacks are going to have something to say about how the offensive lines perform. And then the mobility of the quarterback also comes into question. Obviously, when you're blocking for somebody like Russell Wilson, it's a different story, or Cam Newton, it's a different story than if you're blocking for a top rate. Uh, who is a statue and also tends to get the ball out real quickly just as a comparison there. So, you know, yeah, not a lot of off-season moves for the Cowboys, but if everybody comes back healthy like you said, Jake, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely not the ninth best. They just happen to grade out that way in this particular case. Next team on the – actually, the next three teams, oddly enough, are the Packers' divisional opponents. So let's kind of lump them all together, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. The Lions grade out the highest. The Vikings' offensive line – certainly has a uh, reputation as a team who struggles, and it's something that they've earned uh, because they've frankly been horrendous, the Vikings have, and they, they address their offensive line in the draft. Garrett Bradbury was somebody that they picked early. Uh, the 
but the total, you know, as a whole, they've spent some money on that position, and they just haven't been able to make the make the necessary adjustments to protect Kirk Cousins. And they got a lot of not before Kirk Cousins, it was Sam Bradford. So you've got guys, you know, rushing up the middle against quarterbacks that struggle with interior pressure. It's a recipe for disaster for some of those teams. And I think that, you know, the Vikings are a team. They, they made the list because, guys, there's 16 games. There's 13 different opponents. You know, ranking the top 10 of those guys specifically is a little different. So I think that, you know, the Vikings are probably due to struggle a little bit again this year, and I think that will be a detriment to their to their team ultimately, and that was something that hurt them uh, throughout last year. The, if you ask me what their Achilles heel will be, I think that's what it would be. The Bears and the Lions, I think, both have uh, above-average units. Um, I think that, you know, the Bears have, with James Daniels there at the guard spot, Kyle Long, when he's healthy, has proven to be very good. Um, their left, their tackle position does leave a little bit to be desired. Uh, they just, they haven't really been able to fortify that. They have some good players, uh, but I wouldn't say that they have anybody great at those positions. Um, and the Lions, it seems like, you know, we're talking about different guys every year for them, you know, starting with they have a first-round pick like Taylor Decker. Something I think that will help their offensive line is TJ Hawkinson, their first-round pick. He's essentially a sixth offensive lineman uh, when he's an inline blocker, so that will help. Jason, what's the state of this? and How confident are you that the Packers will be able to win in the trenches against their divisional opponents? Because that's three teams that I just mentioned that have made this list. Well, they're both ranked kind of in the middle, so I'm not that concerned. If you consider the defensive line played well for the Packers last year, Kenny Clark's only one more year stronger in his all-star, all-pro status uh, in terms of what he can do. And then you know, you, you add the pass rush that they uh, that they brought in this year in the free agent Smith brothers, and then you have Rayshon Gary, their first overall pick to that mix. I think, I think the Packers can make some noise. But the Bears – didn't do a whole lot this offseason, so you're looking at largely the same unit that they had last year. They didn't run block very well, and they let Jordan Howard go. Um, you know, he's he's gone. He was traded away. Um, so it's it's Tariq Cohen, and I, you know, he's I, he's a little more of a gadget back than a true running back. So I'm not sure that that's going to help that run block grade. They graded very well in pass blocking, and if Kyle Long is healthy, you know, that's going to help. But again, they're they're on the average side. The Vikings made a ton of noise. They did a lot this offseason. Uh, they, they used their first overall pick on uh, Garrett Bradbury, um, who I think is going to be a very good offensive line, so they helped themselves there. They brought in a couple of free agents, nothing too, too notable there. Uh, on the interior of the line there, Josh Klein and Kona Dozier. They used two other draft picks on offensive linemen, fourth round and sixth round. Um, so those players are always a little iffy. You never know if, you know, four through six are going to be impact players or not when drafted. But they lost Nick Easton, Tom Compton, and Mike Remmers. And, again, these are guys that didn't play very well anyway. So, the, you know, the Vikings may have improved by swapping out the players they did. The Lions graded out well last year. But, you know, Matt Stafford got the ball out pretty quickly, 2.63 seconds. Uh, T.J. Lang retired from the Lions. You know, we love T.J. He's a former Packer, but I think that was a good thing for the Lions. That's a good thing for T.J. as well. They'll, they'll fill the hole there. They brought in a couple of uh, free agents to fill in the gap there. So, you know, I, I think by the end of it all, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears' offensive line looks like with Mitch Trubisky in year three. Does he level off a little bit? Does he continue? He's a little bit more mobile. 
And then in terms of the Vikings, are all these moves going to pay off? I mean, they swapped a ton of guys out, so it's it's going to be an entirely new crew for quarterback Kirk Cousins, who's you know pretty average. So from a Packers standpoint, I don't have a lot of concerns. Um, you know, and again, we've got we've got them basically ranked from worst to best. Um, Bears, Vikings, Lions, and for those of you curious, the Packers would have graded better than all three. And there's obvious reasons for that. They've got a great tackle tandem, and then the interior of their line is, is very solid as well. If you consider Corey Lindsley, and we assume Billy Turner is going to take over at right guard. Uh, the NFC North is is looking pretty good in terms of, of the Packers' uh, situation. I think the biggest thing to watch will be the Vikings. Can they finally improve it after two years of, of that being, like you said, Jake, their Achilles heel? Next team on the list is a team uh, from San Francisco with a group of players that are going to be relatively similar to that of the Packers, and that's because the Packers head coach is the protege of the 49ers head coach, and that's Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we saw the Niners offensive line firsthand. Obviously, the rock on that team is Joe Staley. Uh, he's been one of the best left tackles in football for quite some time, and I don't see – I know there's some age, obviously, there, but something that I find interesting about them is just they run outside zone just like the Packers do. This will be one of those games of, like – mirror images between the two teams just because they're so similar and you know the Packers are going to run a lot of the same stuff that the 49ers do and they do that because like I mentioned they have the same head coaches so that is something that's interesting the next team on this list and it's a big one because they rank so well on the offensive line and they have arguably the best quarterback in all of football and that is the Kansas City Chiefs um, the Chiefs were very solid up front last season. Jason, you can go through the specifics here when I kick it over, but that's something where Patrick Mahomes is hard enough to deal with, and their weapons are good, and their running game was good last year, even without Kareem Hunt uh, once he was jettisoned from the team. I just – that's terrifying to think that Patrick Mahomes could have that much time to throw in an NFL season. You know, it almost seems like when somebody's that good, it's almost like football karma – has like an equalizer to it. It's like, oh, you're a great quarterback or you have this offense. Like the 2011 Packers, for example, have an offense that scores a million points. And the equalizer was the fact that their defense stunk, uh, which was strange because their defense was so good the year prior and it didn't carry over to the next year. Kind of like that with Mahomes. I guess the equalizer for now is that we don't know if their defense is any good. But on the offensive side of the ball, if he's going to be protected, they're going to score a lot of points. So, Jason, tell tell me about the Niners and the Chiefs. Okay, so in terms of these two teams, the Niners, not a lot of off-season movement. And uh, I, I had to go back to 2017 to look at Jimmy Garoppolo's time to throw because he missed most of last year due to injury. 2.75 on the higher end of uh, that. So he, he definitely needs more time and more and more protection. So he didn't play last year. Um, you know, that the Niners ranked as well as they did with quarterbacks who, you know, probably wouldn't start for a lot of teams. Um says maybe they're a little bit of an underrated unit. You've got all-rookie Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Um, You mentioned Staley. He's getting up there in age, but that experience is probably still coming in handy. It's why offensive linemen tend to play longer than uh, skilled players do in their career. So, you know, I I think they're probably going to be one that might give the Packers a little more trouble than we think in terms of their pass rush, you know, but we'll see. And then as far as the Chiefs go, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be a really interesting team. There's going to be a lot of eyes on them anyway because of the Mahomes 
situation. You know, one thing that I think was reported in that, um, is that Patrick Mahomes, if you follow the Chiefs, um, there were a lot of, of balls that he threw that may have and could have been intercepted but weren't. And so he could have easily had more picks than he did, and I don't know if that changes the outcome of some of their games, but there's no questioning his incredible skill set. And all the comparisons that have been drawn so far, you know, putting him in the Hall of Fame and comparing him to Brett Favre, I think is a little hyperbolic at this point. But the Chiefs already have two pretty good tackles. I guess it depends on how you see Eric Fisher. I mean, Fisher was the first overall player taken in the 2013 draft. He plays left tackle. I don't know if he's necessarily great. I mean, I don't think you look at him and say, wow, he was a great first overall that year. But he's still, he's still manning the left tackle. But on the right side, you've got a first-team All-Pro and right tackle in Mitchell Schwartz. So on the ends there, the Chiefs are protected. You mentioned giving uh, Mahomes time to throw, and he needed it. 2.91 seconds. He was second to Aaron Rodgers on this list. So he had the second highest time to throw. Um, and, it, you know, he tends to move around, and he's also looking to make, make bigger plays than the uh, – the other key to that, too, is, is who are his weapons going to be this year. There's still some, some question as to whether or not um, Tyreek Hill is going to return to the Chiefs. So that remains to be seen, and, and who else is, is there. So on those two, uh, we're starting to get towards the top of the list. So the Chiefs, an up-and-coming team, a quarterback that's you know conceivably going to take a jump this next year, uh, if nothing else, even if he plateaus, the Chiefs are still going to be a really, really good team. And you've got a fairly decent offensive line. So that Chiefs game, uh, I believe that's a – is that a Sunday nighter, Jake? It is, yeah, end of October. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch because uh, you're going to have two really good teams and two really good trench units going after each other. And it'll be sold as Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes. We don't have to pretend that that's not going to happen. So next team on the list is the Carolina Panthers, and that's an interesting one to me just because – Typically, and you know, I get it, narratives drive things. There are narratives for almost everything, and a lot of times they're not true. So that just kind of makes things a little bit interesting is all. Uh, the The Panthers have a, a unit that is kind of a list of no names. Uh, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's just kind of how it is. Uh, Taylor Moten, Greg Van Rotten, Trey Turner, Daryl Williams are your tackles and guards. They have Greg Little, who they drafted in the second round uh, just this past year. But protecting Cam Newton, especially this year, is going to have to be priority number one just because he's coming off a shoulder injury that was pretty significant, and they're talking about you know the difference in him throwing the ball and all that sort of stuff. The, the Panthers just – I just think that's interesting to watch. They have a very good um, – Group of skill players, DJ Moore, I think, is a good player. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, is one of the best players um, in in all of football. Honestly, fantasy football players such as myself love him uh, for obvious reasons. So that's an interesting one. The Los Angeles Chargers, and I did that almost at the risk of calling them the San Diego Chargers because I, well, I tend to do that almost all the time. It's hard to remember that that is where they are at this point in time. But protecting Philip Rivers. Russell Okun was out there. Uh, he was his own agent for a while, which was goofy. Dan Feeney was a draft pick. They have Mike Pouncey, uh, Michael Schofield, and Sam Tevy. And, again, we were talking about how dangerous Patrick Mahomes is. But, Jason, Phillip Rivers is also very dangerous if he gets protection. And it sounds like that he's got a very good offensive line unit uh, to keep him protected. 
Yeah, he does. And and Rivers is just you know he's he's still around, slinging it with his awkward uh, arm angle. Um, so you you can't really you can't really knock it. Um, on the Panther side of things, you mentioned the tackles, um, and they've got you know some fairly solid guys that nobody's really heard of before. Uh, longtime center Ryan Khalil retired, and he was replaced by another uh, by Matt Paredes, who came from another team the Packers will face this year in the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos lose their veteran center, and he goes to the Panthers, and the Panthers gain their veteran center. And you mentioned Little in round two, so. They're trying to fortify that line, and, and uh, you know, supposedly Cam Newton is looking to change his throwing mechanics this year. I have no idea what that's going to impact in terms of his time to throw. Last year it was 2.69, which is about average, maybe a little bit above average in terms of time there. And that obviously is, you know, the more time it takes to throw, the more you're asking of your offensive line. Uh, but Carolina added a bunch of guys for depth. Uh, in their offensive line, they uh, they uh, drafted a second offensive lineman in round six two. So again, if he whether or not that guy plays or is even on the roster, but uh, not too bad. And then the, the Chargers were really the only team on this list who pretty much have everybody coming back from last year, and it's pretty much the exact same unit. So they played really well. They graded out fifth best in run blocking, thirteenth in pass. You know, Rivers, 2.62 seconds to throw. All that equates to uh, a really good situation for the offensive line. And with Denver losing their center, even though they graded out best of all the teams last year, I think San Diego, uh, by the time it's all said and done this year, the or not San Diego, L.A., the L.A. Chargers, uh, they could very well be the, uh, the top unit once everything grades out and all the dust is settled. You mentioned it, the last team is the Denver Broncos, who the Packers play early in the year. And, again, that's – just interesting, just because it wasn't that long ago that that was a really, really bad unit. John Elway has done some work. I mean, granted, Elway's had done tw- plenty of things that have made him deserving of being made fun of as a, as the general manager or the president of football operations that he is. But he has rebuilt the offensive line, and to give him some credit, if he sees a weakness, he does attack it relatively aggressively, uh, which is something he's done since his time there in Denver which is probably why their salary cap situation was the way that it was. But they don't hand out trophies for having the healthiest of salary caps. So that part's been interesting. The Packers will play the Broncos early in the year. Um, The Broncos are obviously transitioning with a few things. They have a new head coach. Drew Locke might be their starting quarterback by the time uh, Denver gets gets into Green Bay. That was – it's early in the season, so that would be a little surprising if they gave up on Joe Flacco that early. But – Quite frankly, Joe Flacco is terrible, so um, that wouldn't surprise me if, if that were the case of what to happen. So, Jason, we've been through the 10 teams. We've gone through a grading and a point system. So, essentially what we did was you know, run blocking and pass blocking where they ranked last season, threw some analytics at you, and kind of ranked them as such. But when it's all said and done, at the end of this season, which team do you think you'll go back and say, man, that was a tough offensive line that we had to face that year, assuming relative health? Well, if I look at everything here and all that's gone down, um, the team that stands out the most, that's the easy, low-hanging fruit answer, is the Chargers because they've got the same guys coming back, so you can expect them to grade highly again this year. I mean, they finished second, but, you know, Denver losing their, their starting center. You know, they added Juwan James, and he's the highest-paid right tackle in the league now, and they drafted Dalton Reisner, so they could very well make a, you know, hold on to that number one spot as well. 
I think it could be the Chargers, but the team that I think has the uh, the chance to make the biggest improvement based on what they've done and the focus they've tried to put on their offensive line. Uh, you know, we may not want to hear this, but it could be the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings might find themselves maybe a top five if everything plays out well and these players that they've added max out. That's an interesting one. Obviously, continuity matters something in terms of the – like, the, for example, the best Packers offensive line that they've had in recent memory was in 2014. And that was because T.J. Lang, Josh Sitton, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari started all 16 games – and I believe Brian Belaga started either 14 or 15 that year. So they had the continuity that was necessary to keep everything together. So since they were able to do that, that was their best offensive line unit in that given point in time. With the teams that we have this coming year on the schedule, the Dallas Cowboys are definitely a team I think that jumps out. There's certainly like there's certainly some so there's definitely some reputation that goes into that. But the you know, the Packers have struggled with the Cowboys in recent memory and their running game. And like I mentioned, Zeke Elliott makes that offense. It's very similar to how a quarterback, a really good quarterback, can make your your receivers better. A really good running back can make your offensive line a better run blocking team. Zeke sees things. Uh, he's a very gifted player, assuming he's in shape and not in trouble. Uh, so that's a positive thing. For the Packers here in, or excuse me, for the Cowboys in 2019. Um, the Broncos are another team, like you mentioned. Dalton Reisner's on that team. Now Garrett Bowles is a very good player. They've added some guys. They've been relatively aggressive for the most part with rebuilding that offensive line. So they've done a good job. The Chargers are another team. Uh, the Vikings, I I don't share the same sentiments that you do about them. But I think the Eagles are another team that I think could be very good along the offensive line. I think the Eagles are just like a really good organization at this point in time. Um, they do things really well. They're a well-coached team. Doug Peterson, for my money's worth, is the best coach in the NFL, not named Bill Belichick. So that's a pretty lofty praise considering some of the other guys uh, that are that are in the NFL, guys like Sean McVay, uh, Sean Payton, some other guys. But I would take Doug Peterson – and the Eagles, I just think, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the idea of being able to have four legitimate starting options at tackle is crazy to me that they're able to do that. Um, so that'll be something to keep in mind uh, when they play the Eagles on Thursday night. So, Jason, going through all these teams, we just did that. These are the teams the Packers will face. But let's look at it from the inside now. How confident are you in the Packers' offensive line, their depth, their starters, everything here in the next, this upcoming season that they'll be able to perform well enough as a unit. I'm encouraged because they finally addressed what they needed with guys that are proven that they're going to be better than what they've had. Byron Bell was a miss last year. I think we were more excited about him when he was signed than what we saw on the field. Lane Taylor, I think, will be fine this year. There's mixed reviews on, on Taylor at left guard, but at the tackle positions, given if Belag is healthy, uh, they're going to be in really good shape. Corey Lindsay's a really good center. He should have been in the Pro Bowl last year. He wasn't. So they've got definitely a good solid starting five. Depth-wise, I think they're in better shape as well. Billy Turner can kick out the right tackle if he has to. We still don't know what, in terms of it, at guard, You know, we still don't know what Cole Madison is going to bring, if he's going to be able to provide any of that depth there. 
Jason Spriggs is still in the mix. He's never going to be great. He's always going to be inconsistent. So it just depends on how much any of these these role players are going to have to be counted on and are going to have to play. That can be said for any of these teams on this list. I mean, you know, any of the teams at the top of it could very easily fall to the to the bottom if they suffer, a, you know, a tough injury to one of their guys. It's the same story in football. It's all about health. But as far as depth goes, I think I think Green Bay uh, is looking pretty good. If if they were part of these rankings, they would have come in just um, in front of the 49ers and just behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So. That gives you an idea. Uh, I would have put them sixth on the list of all the teams that they're going to face if you include themselves in there. So that's not a bad place to be. Um, I only see it improving, not going the other direction. So, you know, that's that's reason to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I think I'm with you. You know, on paper, obviously, everything changes if David Bakhtiari, knock on wood, goes down with an injury just because, I mean, who can realistically – who replaces their left tackle in the middle of the season and feels really good about that. I know the Packers did it Bakhtiari's rookie season, but David Bakhtiari hasn't always been David Bakhtiari. There was a time that us fans were on these podcasts and talking about how the Packers might need to replace David Bakhtiari or that Jason Spriggs was drafted to replace David Bakhtiari or that Bakhtiari was going to play guard or just that was always ridiculous to me personally, but I know that was discussed for a lot of different reasons, but you know, if, if he's healthy, if Brian Balaga is relatively healthy, obviously that means, you know, you're you're looking at anywhere from 12 to 16 games out of Brian Balaga. Realistically, um, those two, if they're healthy, I think the Packers have a very good tackle tandem, obviously. Um, on the interior, you mentioned Corey Lindsley. He's very good in their guards. That's really where I'm watching this year. Guard play last year was horrendous, uh, quite frankly. Byron Bell was bad. Justin McCray was not good. Lane Taylor was injured and ineffective. Uh, so you're hoping that Lane Taylor is healthy. Elton Jenkins will be in the mix, obviously, at some point. Uh, Billy Turner uh, will probably play right guard this year. We'll see if that's the case for the future. But for this year specifically, the starting five, I think, feels pretty good. The depth on the interior, Elton Jenkins is a top 50 pick. And then you've got a bunch of guys like you know Lucas Patrick, Alex Light, Cole Madison, uh, Justin McCray. There's there's competition for those backup spots, and it's quality uh, for the most part. Like you said, we don't know what Cole Madison brings, and I still tend to believe he's more likely to be cut than he is to make a significant impact. But it's possible that he makes an impact. They felt highly enough about him to draft him in the fifth round. So that usually has worked out pretty well for the Packers. So we are out of time for today's show. Be sure to check out the Pack-A-Day podcast on Twitter. It's at Pack-A-Day podcast. Check us out on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter personally. I'm at Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow Jason. He is at Jason Perone. It's getting closer, guys. We're getting to training camp. We had the offensive line today, the Hogs. So tomorrow I look forward to hearing about the defensive line and what everything uh, transpires as far as those things. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. And, of course, go Pack, go. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Yes! Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 
16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the challenge. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. He's got it. Out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness. What a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. good. It is good. Mason win 33 to 30. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.